0: subject to eligibility requirements rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park
1: when you buy Kroger brand products you feel like you're winning
2: that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact
3: This is the Jabberjaw
2: Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbetto, they tend to get a little overzealous. Did they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbetto that the machine broke? Did they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spice blend for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mint steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness make Talenti, Gelato, and Sorbetto the greatest? You be the judge. But yes, it does make them the greatest, and they're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious, is in the details. I love this stuff. Thanks, Talenti. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. I'm Ray, and you're listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Hopefully, you're doing well in this fine morning, evening, afternoon, late night Whatever time of day it is, I hope uh, it's good. And thank you for joining us on this beautiful romp through people who are involved in independent music, whether it's punk, hardcore, metal, indie rock, whatever it is, as long as it's from that independent-mindedness that we all love, that's what we're covering here. And uh, this week, I am exhausted, but we have an amazing, amazing guest. This dude is the realest of the real, and uh, one I was very uh, excited, nervous, all of those emotions combined, Roger Murray. He is the vocalist for Agnostic Front, and uh, he's, a, he's a lifer. He's been making music for a long time, and he's been active in the hardcore community. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I, was, I was excited to talk to him. I mean, and the whole reason that we are talking to him is because he has a new book called My Riot, Agnostic Front, Grit. Guts and Glory, which comes out next week, the 29th. And I've had a chance to read a couple of the chapters, and uh, it's great. I mean, I really love the recent dearth of, you know, biographies. and I was going to say novels, but I guess technically they are. But biographies on people who are, uh, you know, involved in the foundational aspects of this awesome music scene and Roger's story is uh, is really, really interesting. So we get into a little bit of that uh, in this interview. But uh, yeah, it was a just a, a great, great chat. He lives in Arizona, talked about being a dad, so much cool stuff. And um, yeah, that's that's what we got going on today. Let's get some um, you know announcements, business pleasantries out of the way. So we have a new sponsor. And this sponsor, well, I wouldn't even call it a sponsor. Let's just call it a partnership, right? I, I want to get the word out about this awesome website. So noecho.net. You may or may not have heard of them. You may or may not have read an article from them, but uh, you need to make this a regular part of your music, news, content consumption (laughs) diet. And uh, No Echo is done by a dude named Carlos, who, uh, you know, has played in bands like Black Army Jacket, and he's been active in the hardcore and punk scene for quite some time, and his site really reflects that. Um, I've been a fan of what that site has done for quite some time. And it just recently occurred to me that I'm like, you know what? How about we like partner up? How about, you know, you on the site, talk about my podcast and then I'll talk about your site. How about that? And Carlos was like, yeah, hell yeah. Let's do that. So yeah, visit that site. They've got so much cool stuff. They do photographer spotlights. They do record collector spotlights. Basically, if you are interested in the subculture, that is where you need to be going. So please, check out that site, find out more information, tell them we sent you, all that fun stuff. But yes, noecho.net, I really, really enjoy that site, and you should too. (laughs) And then, uh, what else do I got? Uh, Yeah, go visit all the Jabberjaw podcasts. Uh, I'll tell you about one in specific, it's Modern Vinyl. Modern Vinyl is a great, great uh, podcast, website, media empire. (laughs) Not maybe that's a little overstating, but the podcast is awesome. I really enjoy the work that Chris does, and he puts a lot of time and effort into the podcast as well. So you should check it out. If you are remotely interested in vinyl, they got the stuff for you. So, yeah, I think that's all, right? Yeah, I, I, I just my brain is a little frazzled because there is a uh, huge podcast conference in Orange County, and that's why frankly, this is a day late than what I normally like to publish it. So I apologize in advance. Because I know I get uh, emails and tweets on Wednesdays if uh, something doesn't get released, and people are like, "What's the deal?" I'm like, "I know, I know," but life gets in the way sometimes. But it's just been, uh, yeah, exhausting because you got meetings and you know walking around and all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, so that's why it's a daylight. But here, let's talk to Roger, and I will talk to you at the end of the episode. So here we go. So okay. I, I'm a I'm a mid 30s dude from Southern California, and you know got into hardcore around whatever 15, 16 years old. So that was like you know mid 90s. Obviously, Agnostic okay. Front. Okay. Agnostic Front loom large in regards to the uh, you know the starting point of hardcore when you're getting your uh, your your first records. It's like oh yeah, you got to get an Agnostic Front. And the thing that I was about, you, of course the thing that I found so interesting was the fact that. You know, here's me, a uh, suburb dude from, you know, Southern California, having sort of any identification with Agnostic Front, which clearly came from a different world than I did. Um, do you notice that where it's like, you know, people that are obviously coming from all walks of life being able to pull things to identify with in regards to the music that you guys create? Does that kind of, uh, you know, make you scratch your head in certain respects?
3: Um, you know what? It- in the middle of it, the, 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 your question dropped for a minute. Could you repeat that? I'm sorry.
2: No, no, it's fine. Basically, I was okay. just saying that you know, a lot of people are attracted to Agnostic Front that have very different experiences than you know, what you had in regards to you know, being raised in Cuba and then obviously you know, the New York City hardcore scene and stuff. So is it interesting for you to see why Agnostic Front identifies with a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life?
3: Uh, you know, you know it's 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 really it's a good question you're asking me because I felt I've always felt like uh, you know especially in New York you I know, guess have, have you got to understand that New York's a melting pot it's full of different race, different religions, just different culture you know what I mean so to me like my story in New York City is for a New Yorker. Pretty much, especially living in the Spanish areas in New York, is pretty much uh, normal. You know what I mean? But then, but then going expanding into the punk world and into the um, the you know just the masses of worldwide period, where where I'm not in a very Spanish culture world, except for like if I would get into L.A. or something like that. You know, it's it's really a, a great immigrant success story. You know, it's a story about you know, coming to America and looking for that American dream, and just living through everything that's thrown at you, and you know, and 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 kind of making it in a certain way just to survive. You know,
4: yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, I I, I do agree with you that it's that uh, struggle, no matter what your surroundings are. People always have issues and problems, and so being able to pull from you know the music that is created and be like. Hey, like this dude has it way worse than I do, so maybe I shouldn't complain. Or oh man, that 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 guy has it. um, You know, he has the same struggles that I do, or whatever. So you can pull from people from different walks of life. That's interesting,
3: right? And like you were saying, it's it's uh, it's definitely like going back to your question where you were you you were asking me. What you know? What what it's like? For what other people? Like, you know, it's it's just different, man. And you know what it is to like it's hard for me. Like I, I think people get or, or don't know what to expect. And, to, so a lot of people don't even know I'm Hispanic. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of un, unsureties, unknown. You know what I mean? And now you get into the unknown. You know, which is like, which is really cool. You know, because you know, you people judge book it by its cover. And, um, now you're going to get to read beyond its cover more of the intent and the same thing with me personally. When they meet me, you know, they if you were to meet, you stand right in front of me today, you would look at me, you would, the last thing you would think about or or think of was that I'm Cuban, I'm Hispanic. You know what I mean? It's just, Mm. it is what it is, you know?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I'm sure in certain respects too, where, uh, people that, you know, because you've been a public figure for, um, you know, uh, most of your uh, adult ish life, and people that met you 20 years ago would, you know, look at you today and be like, oh, yeah, like there are some similarities. But like, you know, oh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, a better person. Like, I like him a lot better now or yeah. whatever, you know, I'm, I'm sure you experience that in certain respects.
3: Yeah, I have. It's true. You know, the person I was um, more like 30, 35 years ago and the person I'm today are two different people. And this, you know what? I, I didn't really notice how different they were till I got into the writing this book you know and i was like wow you know like wow you know at the end when i finally read everything after it was edited like two or three times i was like like damn this was a struggle my life has been a struggle and i'm glad i am who i am today it could have easily turned any other way you know And and when in the beginning you know i don't i don't feel like i was at any any type of a Jerk or anything like that, but hey, I became a jerk, I became an asshole, I became a bully. I became everything you know yeah. that I didn't ever want to become and i I learned from it all i once I realized what I was becoming, clearly you could you could actually read about it and you could read it all and my and my victim and pain tells a beautiful story, and you know, like once I clearly saw who I was becoming and I didn't want to be that person. I clearly started turning around, and my whole life's been like that. I've tried so many. I've done everything. I've been in almost every situation, and I have realized it's not where I wanted to be till where I am today. Fast forward today, there are people that come to my shows for the first time. You know, like I'll like I'll invite like a friend or something, or just a, a non-hardcore punk-related person to a show, and I go up on stage, do what I do, come off, and like they can't even believe that was me, right? So like, like, what just happened, you know, but, um, that's, that's natural, me on stage, of course, but back then, speaking about back then, you know, like, I, I, you know, when I look at myself, and I read, and I read about this, I'm like, man, I didn't like myself, I mean, I don't like who I was back then, you know, I'm glad I am who I am today, but living it at the time, yeah, you know, it was fun, it was fun to, to, to do what I, what I was doing back then, as a teen as a kid who didn't give a shit, you know, but yeah, it's, you know, now a father, me being a father stuff like that, you know, my life's changed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you're responsible for people outside of yourself and that changes the whole right. damn game. Yeah. Um, You know, much like you were uh, talking about earlier in regards to, you know, you you being Latino and, you know, born in Cuba and you came over, you came over the U.S. around five years old, right? From what I can recall. Correct. Okay, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm sure because, you know, as a kid and then you reflecting on on your life uh, at that time. You know, Did it feel chaotic or did it feel just kind of like normal and this is what you were, were doing? Where it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to the States and, like, uh, yeah, you know, my mom's young, but I don't know any different. Um, did it feel weird or did it only feel weird? You know, it,
3: felt, it felt completely normal because I was going with my mom. You know, when you're a kid, you just go wherever your mom goes. You know, like, I don't think that part of it, but what really did feel weird, what really did feel awkward and, and it was when I actually had to go into school. School, you know, and learn a whole different language, and 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 especially, you know, when I was writing this book and I realized, and and just knowing that, you know, how scared you were when you were a kid. You imagine your 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 first day of school. You don't even know what the hell's going on. That's not what you're used to. So all that stuff was, and then and then after all that, back then, like I explained in my book they didn't have any like today they'll deal with you they won't if you're spanish they'll just deal with you keep you in the class and help you through it and there's maybe some some other work you could do on the side there's a teacher's aid that can help you but back then they, they just automatically threw you in in the group of of you know mentally mentally part kids and stuff like that you know uh just slow just because you were considered slow, just because you didn't know how to speak the language. Right. And that was all it was. I didn't know how to speak the language. I wasn't slow. So I had to go in schools with the uh, mentally challenged kids and stuff like that till I could speak English, which is ridiculous, you know. And I'm not trying to knock them down, of course, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's unfortunate they had their own struggles, but that's how they dealt with stuff. You know what I mean?
2: Totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. They they look at a person like you getting thrown into the situation and are just like oh well I mean this is the best way we can deal with it so here he is
3: yeah I'm not going to deal with this guy I'm not going to go any I'm not going to help any further look like, bring him back when he can speak uh, when he could say the alphabet or something like that you know yeah and now understand this that we're here on our own so my mom doesn't know a word of English either so then it was up to me it was up to me to teach my siblings what I knew, right. you know, and, you know, yeah, and, and, and help them get through because it wasn't my, my mom would never do homework with that. She had no idea what the hell was going on. Right, right. So then I became, I became the caretaker and my whole life is, that's been who I've, been, I've become. I, I, I am a caretaker to this day. I, I, yeah, I was five years old. I had to take care of my family. Yeah. You know, teach my family English, teach my family things that. Culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. And how, um,
2: how, how did you? How did you even? Because I mean, that's a that's a daunting task to you know start to understand the English language. Like, where did you even begin?
3: TV? <laughs> no, okay. holy no, no, well, do, uh, so, no. Honestly, so many people. No, we didn't. I, yeah. I don't think it was TV. I, okay. Um, of course, the Mickey Mouse Club was great. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, to, you know, stuff like that. Black and white. <laughs> I remember TV. My TV was black and white, and I think they had color back then. Sure. And it was little. I don't know, you know, I learned, I really did learn in those, those classes I had to go to, sure. those, you know, and I guess it's, it's, they're made for slower kids, you know, slower people to, to move up. And that's that probably was the best approach at the time. But, um, Got it. it's that's a, where I learned. I learned from playing outside with other kids. I just started learning where even, even my Spanish was different than their Spanish. Like I think I may have explained it in my book. Where uh, Cuban, Spanish, you know, we all speak Spanish, but we have different um, dialogue of it or different, like, curse words, different, like, some things mean something different and different. Like, I'm Cuban, and, like, I, was, I remember playing with this Puerto Rican kid, and I said, look, look, there's a bicho. A bicho is a bug or a fly or something like that. Well, to a, cu- to a Puerto Rican, a bicho is the male's private part. Right So I would have shit like that Happen And their moms Would get mad And would go to my mom And say hey You know He's teaching My kid I curse And my mother, like, What are you talking about You know right. It's just There was a lot going on There was a lot going on And at the same time I'm trying to learn How to speak English To go ahead and pass it on to my siblings and and like i say like today i still am a giant caretaker and that's been one of my problems and I, i should take care of myself first and i always put myself last but it is what it is
2: right right and so so as you started to become you know more familiar with the culture and start to you know understand the english language better um like did you did you care about school or was it one of those things that you just felt like oh man i can't wait to get out of here
3: no, I actually love school. I love I've I've loved learning. I I took a, I took the to school really well. I think once I once I got kind of the role, and once it started going, I was, I, I, I was, I was an honor student. I, have, I still have my little certificates for graduating, like, sixth grade with honors, you know, stuff like that. I was a really good student, you know what I mean? And I took to it. I mean, I was, I guess as a kid, you're a sponge. You can learn so much. My kids today, uh, they're, uh, Desi is, is eight obvious ten but they started this, this school that, that's an immersion school and they learn spanish and english at the same time it's like sponges you pick it up really quick when you're little it's not that difficult but now today if i had to learn a different language <laughs> you know right. your brain just doesn't want to do it but i picked it up pretty quick and i remember liking it a lot and and really rolling with it you know and um and uh, it wasn't as difficult as maybe I'm trying to say it was, but it was just very difficult the first year, first two, one and a half years, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely, for sure. Um, and you, there, I'm jumping around in your life because, you know, I mean, clearly there's been a lot that's been documented in regards to past interviews and stuff like that. Um, so, right. you know, I'm not going to ask you, like, oh, what was it, well, the, you know, how did Agnostic Front form? Because clearly people have spoken about that. Before. Yeah. But the, you know, the thing that I always find interesting uh, from bands that came from your era, you know, was the fact that there was really no roadmap for bands figuring out, like, how to tour besides, you know, your community where it's like, oh, hey, I you know, I just, we just played a show in Connecticut with this, uh, you know, at the tune-in, like, this is, this is the right. dude you talk to or whatever. Um, And clearly there was no path to you know make a living like that wasn't even right part of your plan considered right right yeah so uh, so i guess when did it you know in your mind when did agnostic front start to get um you know momentum whether it was a particular record cycle or whether it was like oh yeah we played a big show that all of a sudden i felt like wow people are really taking us seriously do you remember a time like it doesn't have to be super specific but just kind of a general uh, yeah. feeling yeah
3: well, I remember two times. They're both very pivotal in my in my in my life. Uh, first of all, well, let me let me let me talk about the first time. The first time is when we we being a local band, just being just having out united blood, and all of a sudden releasing victim of pain. I remember playing a show at the Rock Hotel, and it was crowd agnostic. fraud. I'm trying to, I think the Psychos playing. I may have played both <laughs> both. I may have been in both bands for that show, like I normally did anyway. But I remember that was a very pivotal, pivotal point in my career because that's when I realized because Crowd was the was the big punk band of New York at the time, punk hardcore band because they were just they were always punk, but they they tipped on the hardcore too. They were I love Crowd; they're one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. But I remember going up there and playing. Victim and Pain had just been released, maybe two or three months, and and that whole place was just. Alive, and it was there for us. And I remember crowd playing and it wasn't that—that that wasn't happening. What just happened for us, you know, that magic wasn't there. And that was a very pivotal point in my my career, in my life. I was like, wow, you know, something's happening. You know, like, uh, Victor and Pain took 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 America by its balls. You know, I remember doing that tour. And like you said, we had no cell phones, we had no computers, we had nothing. We would just show up to places that we, to people we were writing with, and they say, yeah, here's here's an address, see you there. You know? Right. And I, and and then getting there, and then things were always chaotic, and things were always different. Oh no, no, we had to move it. But you know, then we never knew, we just had to, even the day of the show, we were moving shows. You know, I remember being in New Orleans, moving three times before we even got to play, from one, bar to another bar to another bar, you know? And then I remember going to to uh Chicago and it was a giant vacant lot and I never even heard from that guy again in my life. Right. Basically gave me an address to nowhere, you know? And uh stuff like that would happen but there's no there was no way of you fighting out if where you were going, what was happening, you know? Sure. And, uh, that was, that was what our first tour was like. And another one that's really important for me is like you say about like, when did I f- realize that, like, you know, something was happening Agnostic Front? I did. I didn't realize we had pretty much a crazy career all the way till something's got to give 1998 in 1998. Now think about it. We started in, in, uh, I joined a band in 1983. So, 15 years later is when I finally felt like, wow, something's actually happening. Right. There's a little bit of some kind of success. I could go on tour and come back with something to give my family. I used to always go on tour. I was living in squats. So it didn't really matter. I was living how I was living, you know?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, just I was just it didn't matter. And coming back with just enough to eat or something like that, or I just survived, you know, it was crazy. But finally, like, wow, we're getting paid decent for the shows. And that's how it turned into from like 1998 and on. Still couldn't, I still couldn't replace it as a, I can't make a career out of it and live, it, live with, out of it. I still, to date, work. We all have work. We all do. Right. Uh, pretty much, we all come back home, go to work. We, we unfortunately ain't that good, but it could supplement. I could leave my job and know that, you know, my, you know, I, I could come home, and take care of my wife, and my kids, and the bills. And before then. I couldn't. There was no way I could. And the only way I could go on the road was because I was living in a squat. And the only way Vinny could go on the roads because he was living in a rec control apartment, which he still does. Right. So that's why there were so many members in a band because it was hard to kind of make it. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. It took to... a
3: long time. It took a very very long time.
2: Right to be yeah to be able to survive, and I, I think that idea too. Right. I, and especially too, because like there to me, there's a huge difference between, um, you know, to like. Touring and you know being able to like squeak by or whatever, but then also building your life around the band, like you said, it's like you would come home from tour and be like, okay, cool, I got like five hundred bucks, but like you know tomorrow I am going to go back to work in construction or whatever it is that you were doing, um, right? And to be able, you had to, yeah, there was no choice. It was like, well, yeah, that's just what I am doing because ultimately you were still pursuing the band because that was so meaningful to you,
3: right? Absolutely.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment, focus on the things that obviously for one, matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can you know, ask some friends and family for some help, but where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool At your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com help, slash Ray.
0: Baseball fans, Bet MGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season.
5: Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com.
2: That's cool. That's cool. Um, you know, in my... In a- A lot of people have spoken about, you know, your drug charges and going to jail and all that sort of stuff. Um, You know, just from my perspective of the way that you have described it, it seems very much that, you know, you were backed into a corner in regards to, um, you know, you didn't feel like you had any real choice besides, like, I have to provide for my family. Like, clearly... The band I'm playing in is not, you know, bringing home the bacon, so to speak. Um, but you didn't—you right. didn't feel like you had very many choices beyond this one that was, uh, you know, obviously a criminal element. Um, right? Did you? Did, am I kind of correct in that sort of mentality where you're just like, I, I got nowhere yeah, else to turn. I,
3: you are, you are correct, but it's it's wrong to think that, especially today, because there are other ways to turn. Sure, but. Um, the way I was living, what I was doing, it was, I was, understand this, I was living amongst criminals anyway, and it was was easy to take this and go from here to here and not worry about it, you know what I mean? Because everybody around me was freaking pretty much a criminal, so it didn't matter, you know? But it's wrong to think that that was my only option i could have done different things, you know. Now I look back, but that was that 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 was the biggest option, and um, and it, it wasn't like I was on the corner peddling stuff and making a shitload of money. It was just you know big things here, or here or there, whatever. But you know what, I, I I wrote about it, and you know what's very interesting in my album, One Voice. It's a very successful record for me personally because. It, it's the only record, the only true agnostic, the only agnostic front record that tells a whole story from front to back. It's kind of like my Pink Floyd, The Wall, or the or my or the Who, Quadrophenia. It's a whole story of that album, and in the, very, the way it starts off or the second song into it is it explains, like, you know, my life, how I was, how I was thinking. It's more about my thought. I was just thinking shit. I'm not going to go back. To this guy, this little kid I was when I came from Cuba I had nothing. And I'm not going to go back to eating pigeons with my kids. I'm not going to go back with my daughter. I'm not going to go back to this heavy struggle my mom had. And, you know, I just, I was like, no, I can't do that. So this seemed like a great option. Hey, Roger, take this, go over here. And Roger, I was like, whoa, cool. It's quick cash. And, you know, great. And I, and, I, and I was still doing construction back then. Mm-hmm. So I was still doing other stuff. But that was just a quick, fast buck you know yeah and uh it was I, I you know it was i guess it had to happen to get me where i am today right and i and i and i'm i'm, I'm you know and i made it through it and i think the main reason why i got through it is not as hard as the hardest thing like i explained in my book was being away from my daughter sure uh i if i if i didn't have my daughter you know, um, Amy was so used, so used to me being gone anyway from the tour. Right. Who knows what would have happened? She 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 would have moved on. And she had every right to. You know what I mean? Sure. And um and things would have been different. But just because I had my daughter, it was the hardest thing for me to ever do. But you know, being that I was already living amongst criminals and knew. I had that criminal mentality. What I mean, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. I, I, sur- I could survive. Not a, not a problem. I could stand up for myself, do what I got to do, and you could survive. And so that part of it wasn't tough. But um, I should have made better choices, and that's clearly what my books. I think my, I hope my book yeah. <laughs> comes across as saying, hey, yeah, this is horrible. This is tough, and yeah, this is you want to hear about it. This is what it was like. But hey. I, I like to think that my book is exactly how, like, like, like I look at it, which is like, I took all the negativity in my life and I made it positive. Right. So, hey, don't go there, you know? Yeah. No, it's a, it ain't worth it, you know?
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a, absolutely. it's, it's a, it's a, ta- it's a tale of warning. You're like, Hey, like you, yeah. you don't, you don't have to do what I did in order to end up in a positive place.
3: Right. Yeah. And you know what, and you know what's really, what's really great, uh, not great about it, but I uh, like, I had a lot of really good friends that stood by my side and they knew, they knew what I had done and they knew I'd done something wrong, but they knew me as a character and they knew I just fucked up. Right. A lot of these really genuine, good straight edge bands back then, like instead Slapshot shot back then, uh, vision vision, right. um, you know, youth of today, these bands that they, they stand really have a really strong point for stuff like that. And they played benefit shows for me and, and, and helped me and my family, which is what I'm very grateful about. They knew I fucked up. I knew I fucked up. Right. And they weren't just gonna punish me for it. And they're like, hey this guy's done so much for what we do, let's let's help him out. And I'm really grateful of that. No,
2: that's re- that's really cool 'cause I mean
3: You know, gorilla biscuits, yeah. I mean I can keep going on. I mean there's so many bands that did that, that really looked out for me and I'm very grateful and, and you know, considering I fucked up and, and they could have easily been like, fuck you, you know? Hey, this is what we believe you fucked up and and they did not that's the one beautiful thing about hardcore is that at some points people put things aside and they become human beings and I love that, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely and the, the notion that you know once people have been involved for a certain amount of years and have really contributed something whether or not it's playing in a band or running a record label or whatever you know that that is valuable and then people recognize the value that that creates and that's why people looked at what you did and like yeah you made a wrong choice and of course you know i would never endorse that but at the same time this is a guy who contributed a lot to our scene so we need to take care of him
3: Right, it was. It, I'm very grateful of it. Yeah, and um, and they know that. You yeah, know? no,
2: that's a inc- that's and that's great that you were able to you know express your gratitude towards that as well and you know have that have that feeling come back to you in such you know positive ways. Um, the the other thing I wanted to hit on, uh, in regards to you know your jail time, you you, you described it in a certain way in just in previous interviews where it was like you know and. and this gets spoken about a lot where it's like you got to take sides in prison you know it's like you got to run with this crew or this crew otherwise like you know you'll be eaten for lunch and um the you know i I like how you described where it's like you know when you got a a couple more years tacked onto your sentence when you were like i chose the wrong side i chose i chose a a crew of people that um you know did not contribute to me getting out either on time or early on right um do you feel like that was kind of because um, I imagine, you know, you were looking forward to getting out and then all of a sudden having more time tacked on to you. Do you feel like that was kind of, you know, your the lowest point of your life or do you feel like there's other times that you reflect? Oh,
3: on? it's definitely, it's okay. definitely a bummer, but understand this. Um, <laughs> it's survival too. Sure. So I was more important by going out alive. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? That, you got to do true. what you got to do. That's true. Because either you get out or you get out alive, you get out pretty fucked up. You know, if you don't if you don't run tight with your crew and, and, and be a stand-up person and run the way you're supposed to run, your own crew is going to serve you. You know what I mean? And that was very clear. And, and, and you know, Like I said, I said in, the, in my record in One Voice, and I said it in my book, too, those Shades of Greens. Because uh, in upstate New York, in prison, we, we dress in greens in New York. And what I meant by Shades of Green is light green, dark green or middle green, if you know what I mean. It's, that's that's pretty much what it comes down to, you know? And uh, unfortunately, in prison, you know, sticking to your kind is, is very important. And I'm not just saying color, I'm just saying um, authenticity, you know, I, you know I, I might have said that word wrong uh, Like then again, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you just got to stick to your kind, man. And I was Hispanic, and I stuck to my kind. It was a little confusion here and there because I definitely don't look Hispanic, but the people knew right. I was Hispanic. You know, yeah. And that's the way. That's the way it run. You know. That's. I, 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 you know,
2: I just imagine it, it's funny because you know I'm sure you've been in this situation many times where it's like you know a per uh, you look like you how you look and people don't believe that you're Cuban and you're just like sitting there being like no seriously I am and it's like you have to yeah you, know, you have to reproduce like your uh, your your genetic details for people in order to believe that you are who you are
3: absolutely you don't know how many times I'm in, I'm in a place and they and people speak to my wife in Spanish she has no idea what the fuck they're saying right. and then I reply in Spanish and they freak the fuck out like whoa right. or I, many times I was in little grocery stores in New York City and they think I'm just a normal white guy in a store or something like that and I hear them talking shit and I reply to them or I'll say something in Spanish and they're like oh you speak Spanish you know and then they're shocked because they just talk shit and they knew I heard it Right. You know, I called them on it or whatever so you know like I said hey you can't judge a book by its cover yeah. and what's crazy about it is if you go to Cuba or like you go to anywhere in South America you'll see that not everybody in Cuba has a chicken bone through their nose, if you know what I mean. Of course. You know, <laughs> it's okay. you know it's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We have everything in Cuba, whites, blacks, Hispanics, Indian. That's how it is all over the world. That's everywhere. And everybody's so like with what somebody, the perfect Cuban should look like or the perfect, you know, Hispanic guy or the perfect Afro-American guy should look like. But hey, you got to look, beyond that because you'd be surprised
2: yeah Yeah. I know totally absolutely um The uh, I, I I'm going to guess that um you know there's always usually you know one or two people in bands that are kind of you know the the default business people whether or not they want to be it just kind of always gets thrust upon them um, and usually that ends up being the singer just because you know most people are like oh who do I talk to at the end of the show for settling up or whatever um you know do do you like I guess the business side of, of music or is that something that you try to no I... okay. <laughs>
3: I hate it, man. But somebody's got to take something serious, you know. Uh, I'm—I've been more of the serious guy in the band for a long time, and uh, I had to take that role. I had to take that responsibility, you know. And especially when we start when when, I, when we after our first tour, we started saying, "Hey, we're gonna do. We're really gonna do this." Because before that, who cares? It didn't matter, you know. We were playing shows for fifteen, twenty bucks. It didn't care. We were just playing because we loved to play anyway. But you know. I just... I guess if you talk to my wife, you might say... And let's not forget that I keep telling you... I've mentioned before that I had, from a very young age, I had to take responsibility, and I had to teach my siblings everything. I had to become the caretaker. You know what I mean? And that character has never left me. I am still today a caretaker, you know? Like, I take care of everybody first before me, and it's been a problem, you know? And that's what I still do. I still babysit my band if that's what you're trying to ask me (laughs) well you know
2: well no i mean yeah and just like the you know yeah but you
3: know what i mean yeah yeah yeah.
2: and like what record labels to you know work with and if we should work with the manager and booking agent all that other stuff so uh yeah
3: (laughs) well a lot of that stuff a lot of that stuff is really you know I'm, i'm i'm that kind of guy that you know like you know why if someone's taking if someone's being good to you you're good to them, you know. And I'm not—I'm not a guy that's jumping around from different record labels to different booking agents. I'm like, hey, you know, why take? You know, I'm just a good person. So if you're good to me, we're good to you. We have a really good long relationship. So a lot of people I work with today, we've been in that long relationship. The label thing, well, that changed, you know, because once, but once we got with negative uh, um, nuclear blast you know, it's been a really strong relationship and they have been good to us. We had that relationship too, of course, with Habitat, but things change and we had to move on. And it was mostly, uh, people we knew that were involved had moved. So we didn't feel connected there anymore, if you know what I mean.
2: Oh yeah, no, totally. That makes, that makes sense. Um, Something I've always found interesting, specifically about you know your kind of your vocal stylings and everything, was that, um, and I'm sure it's been like this basically ever since you guys started to be a band, where people either love the way that you sing or hate the way that you sing. Like you inspire you inspire a reaction out of people, you know. Um,
4: yeah,
3: and, and it's so, true. Yeah, they either love me or hate me.
2: Right. I mean, and do you, I, I'm going to guess that uh, that's kind of a cool place for you to be in because you know you don't have people. Just being like, oh yeah, agnostic front, like whatever, they're, they're they're all right. It's like you you're you're getting a reaction out of people. Does that uh, I guess it, does yeah. that inspire you in some ways?
3: Yeah, you know, my ultimate goal is to, to, that I, I don't really want people to hate me, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I hate haters anyway. But if if you just hate a band because of the the way the vocals sound, that's kind of ridiculous anyway. Especially with our kind of music that we play, and uh, punk music was always more about the message, I think you should pay attention to more of the messages coming around. There's so many different singers from so many different bands. But one thing that's cool is that I guess my vocal is iconic and you could definitely tell, hey, if you listen to one, so you could definitely tell that's me. It's just like you would hear Jello Biafra or, or, you know, key people in bands, you know what I mean, which is kind of cool. But the message is more important. And, and you know what's really weird? Is that I've never ever till maybe this last record I kind of feel it with this last record, and maybe even victim in pain. But I'm not, I don't know. i not I don't know yet. But I've never. We never felt comfortable in a studio. We've never really been a studio band. We're more of a live band. And if you hear us play all those songs, that almost all our records sound like they're so different from each other. But when we play in content in a the setlist, they don't sound that way. It's just sometimes it has to do with maybe we could just say uh, you can't really say bad production because there's no such thing as bad production you could just maybe just bad choices and picking who to do your records or whatever or, or just overproduction. you know what I mean yeah. but I think I think that we've never been a, a record band you know so I think more, the best way to judge a band whether you, you you like the band period is going out there and going to the show and, and you know some bands are just not are better live bands than they are re- recorded. And there's a lot of bands like that, and I've always felt we're one of them. You know,
2: right, right, yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, that that's there are, when the the idea is that you just want to get these songs documented in order to play them live it's like that's you know that is especially in punk and hardcore that's great that's all you need to do and then people go right like,
3: and, and you know you you go to different studios and every every room has a different sound and you use a different mic and if i kept the same mic i always used back then and just sang in the same place probably everything would probably sound the same of course as we grew uh you, you know there was changes of course and I think it's important it's part of growth you know and as we start to learn how to play instruments or learn better stuff than when in the beginning we didn't know what the fuck we we're doing you know things change or you become you get a little bit more comfortable in who you are and a, a lot of stuff changes whether it's vocal wise or guitar playing or drumming you know so growth is important but it's important you know
0: yeah oh absolutely
6: A free spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com.
2: Um, and so now, you know, now kind of, you know, re- reflecting on, uh, you know, the book that you, you've you decided to write with, um, you know, a great cause John Widerhorn, right? Helped you basically piece right, this right. together. Cool. Um, you know, there there have been a lot of people from your kind of generation that have, you know, pulled together books and, you know, reflect on their lives just because, you know, each one of you guys has your own distinct and crazy story. Um, you know, what? I guess what kind of pulled you out to motivate you to, you know, contribute to, um, you know, that, that sort of uh, the narrative that a lot of people from your era are also writing books as well?
3: Well, if you look at our, I think it was right, right Upstart, um, I mentioned in, the, in in the liner notes of that book that in that record that I was writing a book. So this 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 thing came out of nowhere. I started this in 1999 and I have to uh thank Lars Fredrickson for that because we were in a studio together writing right right up start, I mean recording it and um he was staying with me the whole time. He came to my house and you know, pretty much lived with me for three weeks and he was just fascinated by all the stories I was telling him and then, or when we get together in a studio we just talk about all this stuff he goes Roger you gotta write a book he goes and you know what we're starting right now and that's exactly what we did we had a little tape recorder and I started talking into these tapes and we just he would ask me a question or we would all sit around we'll talk all these crazy stories and I had all this stuff in a little tape and then I, I was like well now I had to get it from tape to actual text to typing, you know, and I hate typing. So then I started doing production work for other bands for free, but you had to do my transcripts and and yes. and then I and then a bunch of bands I did would type all my transcripts out, and I had them all on this floppy disk. I still own t- to date. <laughs> so today I still own these floppy disks, okay. and that's how the book started. I lost it twice during 9/11, and again later on. And then that's when I decided to move to Max. So I'm like, oh, these viruses keep fucking up my story and stuff. My wife tried to help me with it, typing and doing all that stuff. She was like, wow, this is too much, It's crazy. Again, and then thankful John came into my life. First time he approached me, I really wasn't into it because I just, something I started on my own, I wanted to finish on my own. But then he approached me again about three years ago. John approached me about five years ago. I was like, no. Nah. He goes, I want to see it all. and I sent it all to him. He goes, wow, this is incredible. This is fascinating. He goes, I want to help you. And I was like, oh, John, you know, I really want to do this myself. You know, it's been, I've been on it myself. It something I really want to complete myself. And then about three years ago, he hit me up again and said, hey, how's that book going? I want, I want to read some more stuff. Did you finish it? And I was like, you know, John, I didn't. <laughs> right. Let's Let's help me finish this, you know, because... At that point, I had two kids in my life again. I was torn with two bands and so much. I was like, you know what? Thank you for for even wanting to help me. And you know, who he's a great writer anyway. And he, and it was just amazing uh, us two together came up with something really fantastic.
2: Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's cool. I I, li- I like the idea that I mean, yeah, because something like this is isn't just born out of you know, hey, let's start like, you know, you started like a year ago and it pulled it together because, yeah, that's there's no, there's way too much to be uh, put into it.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, man.
2: Um, and so, you know, the, the fact that you're still, you know, passionate and active about, you know, agnostic front and, you know, being engaged in it and, you know, it's such a part of your life that, you know, I, I wouldn't expect it to go away. But, you know, I, I'm guessing the connection that you feel to it now is much different than it was, you know, whatever, 20 some odd years ago, um, you know, or is it? Am I wrong? And you feel basically kind of the, the same types of feelings that you get when you you know get up there and play. Um, how do you connect with it now?
3: You know, it's, it's 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 something that I've done my whole life. It's it's kind of like how do you you know how do you stop learning how to ride a bicycle? You right. know, <laughs> yeah, it's such a natural thing to me. I come up, I come up on stage. And I really feed off of the people that are giving back to me. Like, I will give them intensity, and then they give me intensity back. And that's how it works. And it's a bummer sometimes that you don't get that intensity back and you're giving it your all. But I feel like some of my best shows ever are those shows that I have to then give even more intensity. And even, you know, because the, when the people are just, if you say sit, they sit, jump, they jump, circle, put, they circle. If you got them it's it's an easy show of course you're doing you're doing your thing of course but it's magic you know it's like okay which way am I going to wave the wand you know what I mean but it's those shows that you still gotta work it real hard are really 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 put me back to where, where where I started like okay okay so there here I am back again you know And that's not a problem because I've been here before. I'm going to get back on this bicycle. I'm going to show you how I'm going to fall a couple times. But guess what? I'm getting back up and I'll get with the program.
2: Right. (laughs) No, that's amazing. You know? Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, it, it is one of those things where... You know, as long as people are still you know engaged with it, and you still feel like you can be creative towards it, it's like there's no reason to stop. You know, unless like you like physically can't get on stage, it's like no, just like
1: absolutely.
3: Yeah, you know, as long as we're, as long as you're having fun, which is where we're at now. You know, there was, there was a lot. There was an era that was not fun. There was a lot of times that it was not fun, but we still got through it, or we needed a little bit of a break from whether it's each other or just you know, what was going on at the time in the scene. Yeah. But, um, we look at it this way, man, as long as we're having fun and people are having fun and it's still a demand. Why, you know, why, why not have fun? You know what I mean? Like I've been living my retirement my whole life. Right. You know, you people wait, people wait till they're 64, 65, 67 to retire and enjoy life. I've been enjoying life my whole life. So, I guess who knows? Maybe when I hit sixty, sixty-two, sixty-six, forty-five. Maybe I'll go get a a full-time job, but I'll be, I'll be the reverse. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, totally, it's been so much of my life, and I'm still having a good time. I'm still meeting good people. You know what? And and like I've always said, like if you take if you take the lyrics to to like "Victim and Pain" or something like that, or any current record, like even the American New God, and you put it in a. In a bottle, and you throw it in the ocean. Somebody a hundred years from now, if it washes up, find this bottle open and read those lyrics. They could probably relate to it. So it's it's stuff that people can relate to, especially oppression and overcoming oppression. So it's you know yeah, it's always current. so yeah. it's always a good time.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, two last things I want to hit on before I let you go was the um, you know like sure. like you mentioned before, you you know you're a father. You've been a father for quite some time. And the, um, you know, does it, does it feel interesting in certain respects where um, I'm sure that there were many parts and times in your life where, you know, the idea of having a family was probably so far from your head where you're just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, not saying that you were of this mentality of like, you know, the live fast, die young sort of thing. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, being in the position that you are now where, you know, your kids have changed your life, you know, for the better and pulled you out of you know, dark places. Um, you know, is it, is it weird to be like, wow, I'm here. Like that doesn't, you know, that, that uh, in a lot of respects doesn't make sense to me.
3: Right. You know what? To be honest with you, I was living that live fast, die young. Okay. Um, thought of, the thought of having children was not thought, you know, and, but then when it happened, I've always, I've loved children and I've always, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I'm not one of those guys that don't like kids. Kids, i have always loved it. Don't forget, being that caretaker, I was always even raising my littlest brother, Freddie. I had Freddie with me on the New York Hawkins scene since he was six years old. So it wasn't something that would be completely <clears throat> new to me. Um, but it was shocking to have a child young, of course. Yeah. But I was definitely on that live fast, die young momentum. And today it's a little bit different. It's more like live old. Yeah. I mean, live long, live long. Live, uh, slow, live
2: slow, die old.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, you know. I wanna see my grandkids. I wanna see my my kids do a lot of things and right. I you know, it's i it's just it's changed, but I but you know, that fire in me is still there, you know. Don't kid yourself, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm still a rebellious person. I still love everything rebellious, everything about me is Is like that and I just don't I won't take that garbage can and throw it through McDonald's windows in broad daylight like I did in my book or like I did years ago you know, today I'll think about it, you know, today maybe at night late, 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 late at night
4: I'll
3: go by and there's that keyhole and I'll put a little glue and a toothpick in it and I'll stick it in there as long as I'm upsetting the system some way that if I want to, I can, I could you know, I'm just smarter Right. but um, I'm trying to and you know what? You mentioned about my kids, which is really something that, that that's that's interesting because my daughter, Nottie, is about to read my book for the first time pretty damn soon, right. <laughs> you know? Totally. And uh, she, I like. I send a picture, some of the pictures that were in a book, she goes, oh, I've never seen that picture. I've never seen that picture. And I'm like, well, wait till you read the book. So you can, right. There's a lot of things you would never even, you know, she probably, you know, she knows stuff about me. She knows I was in cars. So she knows. Right. But there's so much more, She's gonna know of me. Yeah, that stuff that I didn't want to talk about. Sure. you know, I didn't want to talk about my 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 abusive life.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: She, you know, she knows some of it, but she doesn't know the extent of it. She knows, uh, you know, about my even my drug my drug abuse, which is nothing phenomenal. It was more like I wanted to try everything. Sure. More than drug use, not abuse. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And like, there's a lot of stuff she doesn't know, and she will know. And uh, I'm curious to see what she thinks. I know. And I'm what Curious a- to see how she's going to look at me. You know.
2: Yeah. Well, and this 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 was actually in relation to something else I was going to pull on where you know what like your I'm sure your your mom will read the book and like how you know how, are you are you geared up for that as well or how does that te- how does that handle?
3: Well, my my mom knows everything. She, I, I I'm not surprising my mom. Okay. She knows the stories I'm telling. Sure. And I told her what the stories I'm telling, and she knows. She just laughed about it. She was oh, my mom's cool. She's like, (laughs) that's cool. You're right. All this happened, and she laughs about it. Let me tell you something. My mom ain't no little angel. (laughs) My mom can write a book that'll blow my book away. (laughs) Trust me. And and my my wife is here laughing about it because she knows.
4: Yeah, that's my mom's
3: stories make my mom's stories make me look like a little teddy bear, my friend. So (laughs) that's a. I'm not worried about that. You heard you seen in the book when I told her she shot my stepdad. (laughs) You know what I mean? So totally, totally. So there's there's some things in there that are that are you know they are what they are, yeah. but I'm. You know, like even my youngest daughter, who she reads very well. She's ten years old, and I made the mistake of I, I had transcripts everywhere. Of course, editing this thing was, and it's incredible how much work went into it. And one day she read a little bit of it, and she saw a curse word. She and, I, and she knew. She goes, she knew better. She stopped. She knew better to keep going. But she goes, and her friend was just over the other day. She goes, yeah, this is my dad's book. And they they were talking about it. It There's a picture of them in it. Uh And, but she said, but you can't really, you can't read it because there's a lot of bad words. in (laughs) it. (laughs) <laughs> she even knew how much more was in that you right. know totally
2: it's like she you just read one page
3: <laughs> yeah yeah what page right but yeah. they know about they they know these stories most of the stories i told them they know that's good They're fascinating. i tell them the, for bet for the night stories i told them the one about the alligator
4: okay yeah sure i didn't
3: tell them about I, of course i didn't tell them about the rabbit because it's frightening for a kid of course right but um they know. They they know I was incarcerated. They don't know why. Once in a while, they try to get me. Tell them why. Of course. I just tell them I just did things that I, I shouldn't have done, and
4: right. I broke and the this law. Is why
3: you don't do things. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, they're not completely out in the dark. Sure. But uh, eventually they'll read my book. Yeah. Exactly. They'll be keyed out to me directly. You know.
2: And yeah, they'll know. They'll know a lot more about you, which is uh, you know,
3: I mean. And Guess what? My wife hasn't read my book. Oh yeah. So that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that, that'll that be interesting as well, I'm so, sure. Yeah. But she's she's lived through a lot of it, so, you know, she's going to... Yeah,
3: be- she's lived... She knows me well. Right. Very well. And, and she, her life alone is just as much of a struggle as my life, so... Sure, exactly. There's nothing new to her, you know? So there's nothing like you
2: know? Yeah, totally.
3: This yeah. is stories she didn't know. And, and she, she has been through it with me through this whole process. And she's like, even she heard me talking about stuff and she's like, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. She's blown away in a couple of things too. Yeah. But yeah. It is what it is.
2: No, for sure. Um, the, uh, the last thing I want to hit on was, you know, you, you've been, you still live in, do you live in Phoenix or do you live somewhere else in Arizona?
3: yeah, I live in a Phoenix sub- suburb. But I live okay. in Scottsdale. Oh, yeah,
2: okay. Um so anyways, but like living you know living in Scottsdale for you know the 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 past couple years that you have been, um, you know it, it, does that uh, kind of contribute to your creativity in certain respects because, you know, if you were still living in New York City and you know having your family life and you know having everything that you do in Arizona, um, do you feel that is able to give you kind of a, a wider breadth of experience?
3: no actually I feel actually the opposite you know like even New York City's changed so much um, living here in Scottsdale is so different that like you would think about like if there was ever writer's block you would definitely get it here you know okay because it's completely so different than what I'm used to even though New York has changed a lot but thankfully and gracefully I have my mind I could always go back and reminisce on my life and bring stuff back and most importantly is I like to read I like to know what's going on with the world you know all the time I'm not that guy that watches uh Kardashians or whatever garbage is on TV I want to know real stuff real documentaries I even want I want to watch news just to learn though I don't know what's real what's fake news anymore <laughs>
4: right.
3: but you you know what I mean um I just i want to challenge myself i want to know what's going on in the world and that's where the inspiration comes from because you know it's not that hard to write a song if you just just sit one day listen to the news you are like, wow, this nice world as good as it is there's a lot of fucked up shit still happening and you know of course it's always your opinion and you you know which is you know voice my opinion of course and uh... it's not everyone else's opinion all the time but it is what it is, and mostly, most of my lyrics anyway deal, deal with social po- politics more than world politics. Right? Basically, what's going on around me on a day to day basis. So I, I'll touch on a world politics here and there, but I'm not a politician. I don't want to deal with that shit, and okay. I hate politicians. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So yeah, you 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 get, like, you, get you get that experience. You know, no matter where you live.
3: <laughs> right. You know, and i I'm I totally love America. I, I'm I'm. If anything, I'm I'm aware of the corruption completely aware of the corruption is vivid in my last record. You could, you could, you could just almost feel it. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to talk about, you know, this is what I felt like I've always wanted to do. Talk about like how, you know, fucked up a lot of things are internally. You know what I mean? And how we could hopefully we could fix some of this shit because I'll talk about oppression and overcoming oppression. like I've said before, and, um, you know, it's not hard to write lyrics when it comes to that. Even though my life has changed a lot, uh, I live in completely different conditions than I do, but I also also moved here because it's an easier living than in New York for me and more affordable. So I, I lost something, uh, all the culture part of it, which I miss about New York, of course, and, of course, like I was telling you, all the different race and... Uh, uh, religion and ethnicity and culture all that stuff I miss that you don't really get here in Arizona sure but I travel so much the world still that I still get to get it you know what I mean yeah you're I still... still get those fixes that I need I really need to keep moving you know yeah
2: no no absolutely that's that uh, I mean it's cool that you're able to duck in and get these experiences and not feel like you um, you know you have to I guess be in it constantly in order to still feel engaged
3: Right,
2: right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Roger, thanks for hanging, dude. I honestly really appreciate you uh, walking me through all this and answering kind of my uh, off-the-wall questions. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, you caring.
3: Thank you. And, you know, what? I want to just uh, – we should let our readers know that um, – I mean, follow me on Instagram, Roger Moret. Do it. That's who I – it's just as simple on Instagram. Uh, pick up my book. Lesser, go to Lesser God's website. I think it's uh, – godsbooks.com mm-hmm. and it'll tell you where the book is readily available um, follow me uh, Roger Moran Instagram uh, go to Agnostic Front Facebook and um, you know help share, share the news of the book and stuff like that Absolutely. I appreciate all the love and all the support out
4: there
2: It sits in a really weird spot in my head that um, I get to talk to these people who have just loomed so large in my life for, you know, 10, 20 years of getting into this music scene. And um, yeah, sometimes the only time that I stop to reflect on it is when I'm doing either these intros or outros where it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm about to like do this. Um, And then, you know, the moments leading up to the conversation where I'm calling them on Skype being like, oh my gosh, I better, I better not mess this up. But thank you very much, Roger, for doing the chat. Thank you very much to Jenny, his publicist, who helped set this up. She's a great publicist. And, uh, yeah, thanks for that, Jenny. And um, what else do I got? Uh, Nothing, right? No, that's not true. I'm going to be telling you about next week's guest. And next week's guest is Sierra Kusterbeck, who uh, plays in a band called No. It's spelled N-E-A-U-X. And, uh, she also played in a band called Versa Emerge, which was a, uh, I would say like mid two thousands warp tour staple that was, you know, being groomed to become the next paramour. And it's, uh, it's a very, very interesting story she has because basically she was thrust into the, uh, <laughs> the independent music spotlight and um you know had a little burnout uh and she she just is a super super open interesting person and um i was excited to have that chat so that's what we got next week and um yeah i hope that you have a good rest of the week good day all those other nice things that you're supposed to say to other people that's what i'm saying to you right now but um yeah in all honesty thank you very much for listening to the show and i will see you next week all right bye You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
1: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
2: High Five Casino Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games, right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours.
4: Only at HighFiveCasino.com.
1: High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at High HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino.
6: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one.